0: Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm seeing some faces that I haven't seen in a while. It's kind of cool. Well, my name is Andy, if, you, if I haven't met you before. And I work with Tanner here at the church. And uh, me and Tanner trade on and off teaching. And it's my privilege this evening to serve you in the Word. And um, yeah, praise the Lord. Pray for me that I'd be humble this evening as we, we look into God's Word. Um, We have been going through the gospel, Um, and it's been a blessed summer. Uh, I think, Tanner, if I was to think of one thing last week that you taught through, that I've thought through more than any other thing, is um, people say, how you doing? (laughs) I'm blessed. And why am I blessed? Why am I blessed? Because he was cursed. And I've been thinking about that again and again and again. I am blessed because he was cursed. We, um, we sang two songs this evening, one about Christ's blood, and two about surrendering. That's going to set the tone this evening. As we look at Christ's work on the cross, I want to challenge each of you how that are in part how that may look in life, and we could talk about so many things. We could talk about boldness before the throne. We could talk about the, the gifts. Excuse me, the gifts of the Spirit. We could talk about that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenlies. There's so much we could talk about. I'm going to narrow it down to um, pretty much three things and reflecting on what we studied two weeks ago in Leviticus. Um, As we begin, I'd like to direct, give you an opportunity for things to pray about, for some of the the things in our group, and also to to kind of flow into what we'll be talking about this evening. Um, Evan and uh, Jennings gave me this little brochure here from Vision Beyond Borders, and uh, you can pray for them as they're going to be leaving here in a couple weeks. Where are you going to be going, Evan? Uh, India. India. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the main point of them going is to bring awareness to the, the, the slavery, particularly the, sl- the sex slavery that goes on in these countries. And I read through this. it's It's a prayer brochure. It talks about the women, what they go through, talks about the, the circumstances, the children that are born into these places. and My heart was broken for them. I mean, some of them, their families, brothers are selling their sisters into slavery for money, and these women are, are stuck there, and they die there, and they get AIDS there, and they, some of raised, their only joy is that they have, uh, Maybe a baby there. And um, I was just reading through it thinking of um, just how gross our sin is. And sometimes I don't even see the, the end product of sin. But I was reading this brochure and I was like, wow, sin is, it disgusts me. I hate it. Um, as I reflected and was reading this after Evan gave it to me i and i encourage you guys, um, Stephanie was praying this evening to remember those who were in bondage like you were with them, and that there are believers who are in this they are forced twenty times a day to serve men in a gross way it, it you don 't even think about this stuff as we just sit here in our in our country um, We need to pray for that that people in this position would be delivered and they would have hope. And I was thinking about this and I thought of a man that um, I'd heard of who took a lady who was in this business and um, I don't know, she had two kids and uh, I think they were a product of what she was in and he married her. He took her right out of that. And he married her and he said, you're going to be my wife. And I was picturing like how she must have felt to be rescued from that and to become a wife. And then this, this couple had two kids. And they um, had, had a family together. And... Um, the weirdest the strangest thing happened. Sin is is strange. Sin is gross, it is ugly. It doesn't make sense. She went back. She went and to my understanding, she went back on her own will. She left her husband. She left her children. I think up to four now. And she went back and she sold herself. She was owned. She could not get out. And according to the law of the land, she she couldn't get out. And if she was to get out, what she had done was punishable by death. Um, You guys have probably heard of this story before. And the Lord told Hosea after this happened, "Then, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. I want you to go love... This is Hosea 3.1. I want you to go love... And what this passage is saying, she's owned, she's in gross sin, and she deserves death. And God says, I want you to go love her again. And the next phrase says... um, Just like the love of the Lord. Just, I underline that, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who took to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. You know who this woman is? Well, you just heard partially. Partially, it's Israel. Someday, As you read down there, there will be a time when this woman, Israel, returns. Partially, it's you. You see, that is what Christ in His atonement has done for me. A man who was, and you, who were far from God, this is the gospel, who was loving God your sin and hating God and deserve death. And just like the love of the Lord, what did Hosea do? He bought her. He bought her. I want you to remember this evening, as we look at the atonement, that you are bought. A lot of times we we like to think about... um, especially in our culture, the freedom that we have and the, the independence that we have and that we can do whatever we want. And we look at verses like, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. We should go there, John John eight thirty six, And I want you to look at the verse before that because we rejoice in our freedom and we think, um, doesn't that mean I can do whatever I want to do? Let's go there. John 8. Man, that is a beautiful verse. Eight thirty six. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now back up to 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. But what are you freed to? You see, you are freed from a terrible master. But you are freed to serve a good master. And I can show you in Scripture where it says you are slaves of Christ. And the amazing thing is he calls you sons and daughters as a position but this whole idea that I can do as a Christian whatever I want to do, we just sang, I surrender all. And I was listening to that. I was like, I surrender, listening to everybody, I surrender all. Really? Do you think you can do whatever you want to do? You've been bought. That's the first thing. You've been bought. Um, this means that, what does it mean? It means I am obligated to obey. I am obligated to serve. And you can't just do whatever you want to do in life. You must consider your master. There's a a word in Scripture that we read, and many times we're called servants of Christ. The, The word servant means doulos. It can also be translated slave. And I have no problem with that at all, because I love Christ. I see what I have been bought from. And I have no problem switching that master to one who loves me. One who wanted to destroy me. To one who has given me life. I've got no problem with that. Um, I want to read 1 Corinthians 6. You turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Um, this is right after the section flee sexual immorality. And then it goes down to 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who was within you, um, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You can't do whatever you want. Verse 20. For you were bought. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and, and in your spirit, which are God's. Like, we love to think that we're God's, we're God's children, but the implications of that is that you were owned. You were owned because you were bought. And the second thing, the, uh, the price was precious. It was costly. Do you remember when we looked two weeks ago at Leviticus and they would take a lamb? They would not take just any lamb, it was the best It was pure. It was spotless. It was costly. It cost them. And they would take that lamb and they would slay it before the the priest and the price of the blood was the covering. Temporary, because it looked forward to the cross, but it was the covering for their sin and it cost. 1 Peter 1.18. Let's turn there. As we look a little bit more at that at that cost First Peter 1.18 says knowing that you were not redeemed redeemed means set free it means you were ransomed you were paid for you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers. Peter's speaking to Jews, and he's saying, "The gold and the silver, what was that used for? It was used to purchase something, a lamb. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct. All of that and the aimless conduct is it can be translated useless. What's useless? with well, the shedding of bulls and bloods and lambs. They're useless. They are now from the tradition from your fathers, 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. As we, um, we set the tone, I want you to remember, remember, one, you were bought. Two, the price was precious. It wasn't just... You can't just buy forgiveness. It was given. And it came at a very high cost. Hosea 3.2 says, So I bought her for myself. And Hosea says to her, You shall not love another man. You will be faithful to me, and I will be faithful to you. You see... Hosea owns her because he went to this slave master and he paid a high price. The price is recorded in Hosea. He paid a high price and he owns her. One, he bought her. You're mine because I own you. Two, but you're mine because I love you. You read up a couple of verses, just like the love of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Like Just think about that. Just like the love of the Lord. We have been bought and paid for. That's the the payment of the blood of the atonement. Christ has bought His bride, the church, and He has paid for her with His own blood. He owns her, and He loves her. Loves her. Now, from here, I'd like to kind of point out what that means in your life. Okay? Because you can't just do whatever you want to do. You are loved with a powerful, owning love. You're not free to just do whatever you want to do. We looked at, um, in Leviticus, we looked at the atonement, um, and we looked at the blood, which is sprinkled. It's never burned. It's never taken outside. It's poured on the mercy seat, which is a really beautiful word. It is spread before the temple. It's put on the priest and his ear and his thumb, his big toe. All these rituals that the Lord instilled to, to show something. We looked at the body, which is taken out, not to a holy place, but to a clean place. It's taken outside. It was gruesome. Outside of the temple, outside of the city. And then thirdly, we looked at the the, the guts, the intestines, the splagnon. What does splagnon stand for? Do you remember? What is it? Tender mercies. The deepest emotions and affections of God. In the atonement, the deepest, most tender, violent, strong affections... Were displayed on the cross. What does that look like in my life? Um, let's go to Hebrews thirteen together as we begin to look at this. Hebrews thirteen is one of those connecting verses that kind of act as a commentary to Leviticus. We looked at. We started last two weeks ago. At Hebrews thirteen, ten. We'll just read there for context. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the by the um, high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. That was the tradition. Twelve. The interpretation. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. What is this talking about? Just as those bodies were taken out, Christ was taken out of the city. He suffered as an outcast. Like, remember that. I think sometimes we forget that Christ, He suffered at the price of a criminal between two thieves. Like, it was not in the eyes of the the world, it was not a high and mighty place. It was degrading, it was humiliating, That's who you follow. What is your part in that? What's the next verse say? Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp. What is this talking about? One, your Savior suffered the death of an outcast, a criminal. And then the writer of Hebrews says, Christian, you need to go to him. Where? You need to go outside the camp to him. This is a uh, word for word from Exodus thirty three seven. And what happened in Exodus thirty three seven is right before then the um the calf. Remember the incident of the calf where they started worshiping the calf and Moses came down and broke the Ten Commandments and there was it was a terrible time, and um at this time Moses took his took a tent and he said it Set it outside the camp. And the next phrase is far outside the camp. You see, as a Christian, we live a different life. Our lives need to be different and different from the world that we are in. Um... How did I qualify that in Exodus? Far outside the camp. So many times that's not true. So many times our tent is very close to the the city, to the world. And then there's a balance here. Well, for a second, I want you to um, consider the early church because you're so used to your context and my, my context. The early church... They ran around from persecution to persecution to persecution. Christianity is a very homeless religion. Like it, it is it was in, in Rome and then persecution started and it out and out into the outermost parts of the world. Just like they were outcasts. They were different. They were they were set apart. They knew what it meant to be aliens. Do you know what it means to be an alien? A sojourner? Um, a stranger, like that's what we are called to be. We're called to follow Christ, and it's outside, it's different. Now, what we do is we have wrong thinking. We're, it needs to be balanced. The, the wrong thinking is on one hand, there's people who live like a monastic life, and they live like totally separate, and we hang out in Christian circles and in groups like this, and that's it. And we're called to be in the world, but not of it. But we live the whole way, and we're never around unbelievers at all. And we're disobeying Christ in the Great Commission to go out into the world and preach the gospel. To be in the world, but don't be of it. That's the one side. The other side (coughs) is, um, and I see this in my own heart, and it, it, it makes me mad is that tendency inside me to desire the things of the world. You've seen, like like there'll be a a TV show like American Idol. And it's not much longer than there's a Christian spin-off of American Idol. The Christian American Idol, which, I mean, if you think about the terms, it's very contradictory. Think about that. But that's what we do is we see something, and we see it even in churches. We see it in the way we dress. Is we, look at, we look at the world and we say, you know, that's a pretty good idea. He looks pretty cool. Where That seemed to work really well over there. And we start to move our tent closer and closer to the city. We're called to move outside the city. I see it in my, in my own life. Guys, we, you know what we wrestle with? Our image. We have this, we've been fed the image of what a man looks like from the world's perspective. We don't even know what a beautiful girl looks like anymore. You know why? Because the world has told us what it looks like. Wake up. Look at a little bit of, of pictures in the, in the magazines and they've changed from the 80s to the 70s to the 50s, to the 40s, to Africa, to China, you don't even know anymore because your, your, your tent is so close to the world's tent. Your image, and that's just one area. Ladies, you wrestle with image too. That, How you dress, what you say, what you wear, we are called to be different. Watching the Olympics, and I'm like, I can't believe how these, that's just normal. But you know what? There's a lot, a lot of us who dress this, similar ways. i not exactly like that, but, the, but the, with no, like you were saying, Tanner, yesterday, with no moral compass, You just, you degrade yourselves. You degrade yourselves. And Christians, we do the same thing. We want the world so much. The world is writing the music, and you are dancing to the tune, and here's what's so pathetic, is you look so foolish. I step back, and I look at um, Christians who are trying to be like the world and you look foolish because they know what you call yourselves followers of Christ but your actions don't say it at all your words are meaningless do you see that we're we're called to be pecu- peculiar people strange um examine your hearts Moses took his tent and he went far outside the, the camp. The second thing says, "Therefore, let us go outside the camp, bearing his reproach." Um, one of the things, one of the things that I wrestle with is, is I, and I, I'm sure that many of you can relate. As I say, I wrestle with the fear of man. I wrestle with man's opinion of me. You know, I wonder if this is what I wrestle with. What does it mean to bear Christ's reproach? You know what a reproach is? It's to be insulted. It's to be made fun of. The word means to be laughed at unjustly. And a Christian is told to take up that reproach and put it on your back. I call it the fear of man, which is probably a very dumbed-down term But the truth is, is that the work of Christ, it is burdensome. Do you remember what he told his followers? If anyone desires to come up after me, what do they need to do? Take up your cross and follow me. The implications of that are not, take up your cross and look really cool. The cross was shame. Take up your cross and be very popular. Take up your cross and be accepted by many men. You know Jesus said? Woe to you when all men speak well of you. If everybody accepts you, you know what Jesus says? Woe. That is wrong. You need... So what does a Christian do? We're told to take up the reproach of Christ and to bear it. You're different. You've been bought. And the price was precious. We follow an outcast. Um, Some of the things in our culture today that... um, Some of the the names that people really wrestle with as Christians. here's Here's one. Intolerant. We're afraid of being called intolerant. We're afraid of being called... Unaccepting. Narrow-minded. These are terms that, like, if you're, if you're among the world at all, it, like, if you don't get it right now, you need to get out a little bit. Because these are real catchwords. It's all over the news. It's all over. This is what people are afraid of right now. Oh, you're, you're narrow-minded. You're uh, um, intolerant of this or that. Do you realize that Christ is is extremely intolerant of sin. He is extremely intolerant. And we have a hard time taking up that burden and bearing it. That's alright, dude. I can't even think anymore. (laughs) Times like that you just got to laugh at stuff and be like, Nah. That's alright. Um... Take up your cross. Let's go to the. We've talked about the blood. We've talked about the body. I want to talk about your greatest affections. If you weren't here two weeks ago, we talked about the um, the kidneys and the fat around the kidneys. Some of the internal organs. They were told. God told the priests put them on the altar and burn them up. And they are a sweet aroma before me. And then as Stephanie mentioned, the splagnons, we looked in Luke 1, which is the tender mercies, the deep, inmost affections of God are represented on that altar. And God says, they're for me. This is for me. And the priests would get to eat a little bit of it, but they were for the Lord. His greatest affections, His For God so loved the world, so loved, that he gave his only begotten son, his only beloved son. I want you to think for a second. What provokes your greatest emotions? What makes you most excited? What makes you, um, your deepest love? What makes you happy? What do you think about? What keeps you up at night? Sometimes, um, like I'll get a hobby on my mind. I'm working on something and I'm, I'm like zoned. I'm in the zone. I have a hard time focusing on other things. Or people get this way like when they want to shop for something. They want to get that next greatest thing. They think that's all they can think about. And it, it's... Um, oh, I can't wait until I get that next gadget, that whatever it is, and it, it obsesses their mind. And Here's the problem. And they get it. That position, that gold medal, whatever it is, and they get it, and then it's old. Their deepest affections and their emotions are all stirred up, and then it, it, it doesn't satisfy. It's always something new. It could be, Maybe relationships. If I only had this girl, this guy. And then you find out that she's a sinner too, just like you. Christ's work of atonement reflects the deepest, most violent, tender emotions of God. What about you? I want to think about this for a second. In the atonement one of the greatest demonstrations is God's love. It's called great love, great mercy, for God so loved, a Christian's love. If atonement is in the cross and love is in the atonement, how does that work its way out in your life? Let's go to um, 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. What's that? That's the atonement. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Do you love, do you love your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Do you love Christians? Do you love the church? Christ loves the church. That hit me four years ago. Like, like, I liked going to church. I went to church because that's what Christians do. But, you know, sometimes I thought God was doing good things other places. And I really got rebuked. And I realized that Christ's greatest affections were for his church. How great. He laid down his life. And I was thinking, Andy, why am I not stirred to that same affection? Why don't I love church like that? I need it rebuked. I should. Look at this. How much? Look at 17. But whoever has world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's a convicting verse. How many times have you been around somebody who has something, who has a need of something, of the world? Whatever clothes they need they need some money and you have it and you could give it but you don't you know what john says how does the love of god abide in you you see the cross atonement it reeks of generosity it is so generous god gave all there was to give he could give no more he gave his son it is generous does that reflect in your life? Like, are you generous? The people you are around in the church, are you willing to give to them sacrificially, to love them, to listen to them sacrificially, to speak kind and loving, generous words of encouragement and rebuke, whatever, whatever the most loving thing is at the time into their life? Christ loves the church what about um, what about hate well, I'm, going to, I'm going to say this to you real quick yeah I already said it <laughs> consider how God hates in the atonement he hates sin God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us and what did he do to him he killed him. Think about that. God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin, my sin, on him, and he killed him. God hates sin. That's part of the atonement. Do you hate your sin? Do you hate it? I I think sometimes we're uncomfortable with it. Our sin bothers us, but do you hate it with a passion? A lot of us are like Esau in Hebrews twelve seventeen. We mourn over our sin. It makes us sad. But God says, Esau was a profane man before me. He was useless. He was profane. Why, God? Here's why. Because he found no place in his heart for repentance. He never turned from it. Why? He didn't hate it. How do, how do you hate sin? How do you hate it? I think one is by remembering that you were bought with precious blood. Do you know the cost? Do you have any clue of the cost that was paid for your salvation? Two, this has been a personal one for me, is when we studied hell, that shook me up. You know why it shook me up? Because I deserve it. That's what my sin deserves. It deserves to be damned. Rather, I've been redeemed. I've been bought out of that trade of death. I hate sin. I'm learning to hate it more. Like, I have violent thoughts in my head when sin comes into my head. Like, I tell guys, like, whatever it takes, like, no, God, I don't want that in my head. I can't can't go there. I don't need to see that. I don't need to think that. I shouldn't have said that. Violence is on the cross, and when it comes to me and my sin, Christ said, "Do whatever it takes." Christ, what should I do? Should I try really hard? How about cut your eye out? That's pretty violent. How about rip your arm off? It is better for you to go and not have an eye or an arm than to have your whole body cast into hell. That's that's pretty strong emotions. Do you feel that seriously about your sin? If you don't, you don't have a clue how dangerous what is in you lies. Read James 1. The end of sin is always death and destruction. The process may be very slow, but it's getting there. It gets sick too. It gets really sick. Uh, Last. The word propitiate. The atonement Propitiated God's wrath. That's a good word. It appeased God's wrath. It satisfied God's wrath. Do you realize that God wants nothing more than what Christ did? It's not Christ plus anything. God says, No, it's trash. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. I'll take my son and what he did. Like, it propitiated, it covered, it satisfied. Are you content as a Christian? A Christian should be content and a Christian should be satisfied. Let me qualify those. A Christian should be satisfied in the fact that... A song just came to my head. Jesus paid it all. You know that song? All to Him I owe. He paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There's nothing more you can do. There's only... White is white. You can keep scrubbing the cloth, but you're wasting your energies. White as snow. Gone. Remember what it means? It means take your sin and throw it over his back. Take your sin and cast it out. It's gone. Christ did all the work. Christian is content is satisfied with the work that he is that, that is done. I talked about this earlier, getting caught up in the next greatest thing. We do this is We get caught up in the world's. You got to have this gadget, and then you have it for six months, and it's outdated. And then, but I got to wait two more years to get it updated. And then it comes, and you're like, "Look out in the parking lot sometime, and see some. Look at some old beater that used to be on a commercial, and the moon was rising up behind it. Some big buff man was behind the wheel of that 1987 Oldsmobile, and he." He looked content. And somebody had to have it. And now, you know what it is? It's just another car. Just another car. I had an Oldsmobile in 1987, I know. <laughs> that nice truck you have, I'm talking to myself. That nice scooter. <laughs> it's going to rust and burn. It will burn. Christian's content. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know what it means and I am content in whatever whatever circumstance I am in. How do you do that? That's a that's a good question Paul. How do you do that? Here's how. 2 Corinthians 12:19 My grace is sufficient. There's a dangerous word we we it's called I need. I just need this blank, whatever it is. I just need this job. I just need this class. No, you don't. All your needs have been totally met, that's what, that's what God said, through Christ. And Paul, when he said, God, I just need this thorn to be removed, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all you need. I, I need to be reminded of that. I'd like things, but I need Christ. That's how we can be content. By remembering that Jesus paid it all. We can be content with Him. Nothing else would will do. Cars, nor houses, nor men, nor women. Only Christ. And lastly, you know what the major difference is between the Old Testament sacrifices and Christ? Think about it. Christ was the only one who came back to life. All the other ones stayed dead. <laughs> they all died. But Christ died and rose again. He was the once and for all sacrifice for sin. What does that mean for you? A couple things. Romans 6 talks about, for those who are in Christ, for those who have died with Christ, you know what? They will live with Christ. Hebrews 13 says, for we have no continuing city, not on this earth, but we have one to come. Do you meditate and think on heaven much? Like Christian, you have hope. Some of the guys... I've talked to in this, in, in this room have talked about heaven and they know that they have no continuing city even this body sometimes gets and you'll experience this as you get old you get sick of it it breaks down, it wears down but you have hope why? because Christ died and those who have, who have died with him they will live with him here's how we're going to wrap up our time this evening um, Tanner could you help me pass these out buddy? I made up some some sheets here, and pretty much it's kind of a basic outline of this whole devotional we just went through. If you need more, let me know. At the bottom, there is um, four questions. Do you need more down there? Okay. If you want to spread out in here you can. If you want to sit in your seat, you can. Pretty much, it's uh, the devotion we just did, but I, I have some questions and some verses. I want you just to think and consider, as David said, search me and try me. See if there'd be any unclean way within me and spend some time with the Lord. And then, um, in about 20 minutes, Nate, would you... Would you uh, Bring us back together for for some singing and worship. So take the room, take the hallway, spread out, and we'll come back afterwards with some prayer and some singing. You're dismissed.